All right, John chapter five. Let, let me begin like this. In the course of a normal conversation, your friend turns to you and your friend asks this question, do you want to change? Do you want to change? That's a normal conversation for everybody, right? You know, just cutting right to the, to the deep stuff. Now, your friend is not asking you the question, uh, do you want your circumstances to change? Now, that's too easy. All of us want our circumstances to change, you know, more health, more help, more money, uh, you know, a bigger house, a nicer car. That, that's too easy. What your friend is asking you is, do you want to change? Do you want your character to change? Do you want the core of who you are to change? Do you want the center of who you are to change? Do you want to become more courageous and less fearful? Uh, do you want to be, become more uh, generous and less greedy, maybe? Do you want to become more patient and less impulsive, uh, more cr- kind and less critical and judgmental? You see, do you want to change? That's the question that your friend is confronting you with. How would you answer that question? How would you answer the question? Now, in our story this morning, uh, it's about one man's confrontation with that very question and the opportunity that he has to say yes to change. Now, uh, as you look down at the story today, you might be saying, wait a minute, are you reading a different story than I am? Uh, this, this is a story, this is a report that John gives about a man with a physical malady, and Jesus gives him a physical healing. This is not, you know, about a shopaholic that needs some measure of self-control. This is not about somebody who's angry and bitter who needs to become more uh, generous and kind. What do you mean this story is about change? Well, if you've been with us in, in in our study in the Gospel of John, you know that we've been studying the miracles of Jesus. And John calls Jesus' miracles the signs. He says every miracle, every, every miraculous event in the, in the life of Jesus is a sign. And what is a sign? A sign is meant to, to teach you deeper things. It points to something else. Every miracle is about more than the miracle. Every healing is about more than the healing. Uh, every miracle is a window into a deeper spiritual reality. And that's true about this miracle that we're looking at today. This miracle about this man's healing is a window into a deeper reality. This healing is about something more than physical. This points to something deeper than, than physical brokenness. This man's healing is about something more. And so uh, l- l- let me show you that. So chapter five, verse 14. Uh, the man has been healed. He's got paralysis. He's been healed. And Jesus comes to him after the miracle in verse 14. It says, afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Okay, pretty obvious. The man knows that. But then notice what Jesus says. He says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, why does Jesus say that? Why does Jesus connect this man's uh, healing with the reality of sin in his life? Why does he connect this man's physical healing with deeper issues of sin and brokenness? Well, it's not because Jesus wants to say that, you know, every sin in your life is a result of, uh, you know, or every, you know, area where you're sick is a result of sin in your life. Jesus does not want to make a connection between your sin and your sickness. What Jesus is saying here is that there is something far more crippling than physical paralysis. There are realities of sin and brokenness that are far more damaging, that are far more crippling to your life than the inability to walk. And Jesus wants to heal you of that. You see, do you want to change? 
Do you want to get better? Do you want to be whole at the core of your being? That's what this miracle is pointing to. And so what I want to do in the sermon today is I want to lay that question before us and let the question address us. Do you really want to change? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to get better? And we're going to see how this man answers Jesus' question. Now, if you want outline, if you want an outline, if you want a roadmap, here's how we're going to be looking at it. We're going to begin by looking at the pool, and then at the question, and then at the healing, and then finally at the healer, okay? And this is going to help us kind of answer the question, do we really want to be whole? So let's jump into it in uh, chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. In Aramaic, it is called Bethesda, which, is, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, and we'll stop there. So let me set the stage here. Jesus, uh, as the story opens, is on his way to Jerusalem. It's, it's the time of a feast. And so uh, the Jews, they had feasts throughout the year. And during these feasts, um, all the Jewish people, all the people of Israel would congregate in Jerusalem, the main metropolis uh, in that region. And so uh, during this time, Jerusalem would be packed with people. There'd be uh, you know, crowds everywhere. And notice that Jesus goes too. Jesus goes to the feast, and when he goes, notice Jesus doesn't immediately go to the temple, which would be the natural place for Jesus to go, you know, the place where they're celebrating, the place where rituals are happening. He doesn't go to the temple. He doesn't immediately uh, take part in all the festivities going on around the feast. Where does Jesus go? Well, it says that Jesus goes through the sheep gate in verse 2, and he goes to a pool. In Aramaic, it's called the pool Bethesda or the house of mercy which has five roofed colonnades. And then it says, in this area lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, um, if you've got a King James Bible, there's a verse that's there that's missing in all the other versions. And it's because this verse is not in the most reliable and earliest manuscripts. Scripts? Scripts. Um, <clears throat> it's a verse that describes what's going on at the pool. So um, it says that it was believed, this pool was believed to have healing powers, that at a certain time the pool would be, uh, the water would be stirred up, and they thought there was an angel coming down, stirring up the water, and then the first invalid in the pool would get a healing. Now, this is a description of what's going on. People say that a later editor added that in to describe why there's so many people gathered around this pool. But Jesus goes to this place. Jesus goes to this camp of invalids. Jesus goes to this mass of human brokenness. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus always goes there. Jesus always goes there. You know, we don't like to go to places like this. If we were in Jerusalem, we'd be at the temple, we'd be at the feast. But where does Jesus go? He goes to a camp of invalids, a mass of human desperation. Because this is where Jesus always goes. This is where Jesus belongs. Always in the Gospels, Jesus is going to places like this. Uh, Charles Spurgeon describes this passage in this way. He says, Jesus, the Son of God, walked in the five porches by the pool. It was the place where, he might, where we might expect to meet him. For where should the great physician be found if not in the place where the sick are gathered? And so uh, there's another place in the Gospels where uh, Jesus is sitting down, uh, eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. The Pharisees are upset and they say, why are you eating with these people? Why do you go and hang out with these people? And Jesus said, the well don't need a doctor, but those who are sick. 
And he says, I have come to those who are wounded. I have come to heal the brokenness in this world. And so this is the place where Jesus goes. This is his joy. This is the reason why he came. This is his mission. And maybe this is where you are this morning. Maybe you could be described as a person who's living in desperation, dealing with brokenness. Jesus goes there. Jesus doesn't ignore places like this. And before we move on, I want to ask you the question, what, what malady is, is bringing you to the pool? And remember, we're not talking about physical brokenness, but what is it that's crippling you at the deepest level? Can you put your finger on that thing in your life? What is it that you're dealing with that brings you to the house of mercy, that brings you to the pool of Bethesda? Jesus wants, to put, wants you to put your finger on that, and he wants to go there. Right, we ignore these places in our lives. We don't like to think about them because they're painful and they're embarrassing. But Jesus always goes there and this is, this is the sort of thing that Jesus wants to address in our lives. He's the great physician. He's the only one who could heal our brokenness. And so this is where he goes. And so that's the pool. Well, let's go on and see uh, the question in the passage. This is kind of the heart of the passage. So Jesus uh, walks into this place, this mass of human desperation, and uh, there's, there's invalids everywhere, and what does Jesus do? He goes to the back of the room. I love this. He goes to the back of the room, and he goes to this man who's been there for a very, very long time. And here's the man. He's laying on the mat, and, he's, uh, and he's, he can't walk, you know, his legs or maybe his whole body is, is in paralysis. And Jesus goes to this man. And notice he asked the man a simple question. In verse five it says, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw the man lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now isn't this an odd question? I mean, it's, it seems painfully obvious, right? Do you want to be healed? It's, Jesus comes to the man, and with a straight face, this man who's been in paralysis for years and years and years, and says, do you want to be healed? It's like going to uh, you know, an e- the ER and going up to somebody, the worst person in the room, and saying, hey, do you want to get better? It's like, of course they want to get better. That's, that, isn't it obvious? You know, here's a man, he's in a place of healing. He's been there for a long time. He's sitting on a mat. Why do you think I'm here, Jesus? Of course I want to be healed. Why does Jesus ask him this very, very um, obvious question? It's almost rude, isn't it? It's almost an insult, do you want to be healed? Why would Jesus ask him this question? Well, it's because I think the question is not as obvious as it might seem on face value. Uh, It's very, very important to look at the questions that Jesus asks. All the way through the gospel, Jesus asks questions. And every question is designed to pierce deep. Every question is, is designed to go under the surface. And that's exactly what this question is, is uh, designed for in the story. Jesus looks at the man and says, do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Because the question is not that obvious. You see, notice the detail that John includes here. The man has been sick for 38 years. Now, in that day and age, life expectancy was about 45 years old. And so uh, what we know is that paralysis was all this man had ever known. And he'd learned how to cope with it. He'd learned how to live with it. Probably his whole life uh, revolved around his illness, right? You know, he got up in the morning think about, thinking about this, this paralysis. 
Um, all of his relationships probably re- 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 uh, revolved around the paralysis. Uh, his whole identity is wrapped up in, in, his, in his illness. And probably this man had learned to become very, very comfortable with being sick. Right? There is a strange comfortableness that he felt in his brokenness. And to be healed, could you imagine what it would mean for this man to be healed? He would have to forge a new whole identity. He would have to uh, make new relationships. Uh, could you imagine what sort of trauma and disruption a healing would be in, his, in this man's life? And Jesus looks at him and says, you know what, do you want to be healed? Are you sure you want to be healed? Do you want, do you want this? It's a good question. It's a piercing question. And I think the point that Jesus wants to make is fairly obvious. Every time you ask for a healing, you're inviting disruption into your life. Every time you ask Jesus to change you, you're inviting trauma, you're inviting discomfort, you're inviting absolute major disruption in your life. And sometimes the, the, the paralysis that we know is preferable to the, to the freedom that we don't know. You see, this man had forged a life of, of, of comfort in his brokenness. And to leave all that would mean trauma. Do you want to be healed? I hate going to the dentist, and uh, probably worse than I hate going to the doctor. Uh, anybody else hate the dentist here? Oh, man. Just one? Really? Come on, guys. There was one time I had, my, my tooth was in such terrible pain, it was several years ago, and uh, I, I had to go to the dentist, the pain was so bad that I just had to go, and so I, I went there, and it turned out that it, well, I didn't just need a filling, like I needed a root canal. The, the doctor just said, man, your, your tooth is in bad shape, and we're going to have to do major, major surgery, and I said, do we really have to do that? Like, can I just take some medication or go home? And he says, that depends, let me ask you a question. Do you want your tooth to get better? If you want it to get better, we're going to have to do surgery. And Jesus is asking the man a similar question. Sir, do you want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? Well, then you're going to have to go through some pretty serious trauma. Uh, Henry Cloud said this. He said that when the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of changing, then we are ready to make a move. When the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of changing, only then are we ready to make a move. You see, do you want to change? Right, you've been living this way for so many years and you've gotten very, very comfortable and it's safe in the paralysis that you know. Do you want to be different? Right, do you want to be better? Do you want to be made whole? There's a a story that St. Augustine uh, tells and uh, St. Augustine, 1,600 years ago, is a church father, and uh, he prayed this prayer one day before God. He said, God, he said, uh, give me chastity, but not yet. Right, there it is. He says, he says, heal my sexuality, God, but not yet. You see, I'm kind of comfortable with where I'm at, and I'd like to sort of stay where I am for a little bit longer. Oh, heal me, but just not now. You see, do you want to change? Do you want to be healed? That's the question. Because it's going to mean disruption, and it's going to mean some measure of trauma. You might say, God, humble me. I want to have humility, but don't put me in a situation where my pride is going to be wounded. 
right, God, I, I want you to heal my marriage. Please heal my marriage, but don't do it at the expense of my golf game and my work habits and my need to feel like I'm right all the time. Right? Do you want to change? Do you know what it means to change? You see the challenge this man is giving, that Jesus is giving this man. He's saying, he says, I know you've lived this way for a long time. Do you really want to change? Are you ready for that? Are you ready for the discomfort? As you go on, uh, what's interesting is when this man does get healed, there's like major social disruption. Uh, Jesus heals the man on the Sabbath. And it's unlawful to carry your bed on the Sabbath. So there he goes out, and, and pretty soon, because of his healing, he's in this big conflict, and everybody's angry and upset. You see, you know, your healing can disrupt not only you, but the whole social fabric, right? When you get better, it changes all your other relationships, and there are people that need you to be sick. There are people that are just as, as comfortable with your brokenness as you are. And to, to walk towards healing would mean major disruption, not just in your life, but in their life as well. Do you want to be healed, Jesus says. And the man says, it's obvious. I've been in this place of healing week after week, year after year. Don't you, isn't it obvious that I want to be healed? No, not really. You know, this church is a place of healing. Everywhere that the word of God is preached, God's words are spirit and God's words are life. This is a place of healing. And there are many of us that come year after year and week after week and we know that we need to change and we feel guilty about where we are but we walk away just the same old us week after week, year after year. And the question Jesus is asking is, well, do you want to change? Do you really want to change? Or are you strangely comfortable in your brokenness? And so Jesus says, uh, look, I want you to identify where, where is that place? Everybody else, nobody wants to see it. Everybody wants to ignore these areas and these, these sad, broken places. But where, where is the place in your life of, of, of desperation, where you're broken, where you're wounded? Are you willing to go there with Jesus? Number one, here's, and, and number two, here's the question. Do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? But third, notice Jesus goes on and he wants to uh, bring this man deeper to another level here. And, and so Jesus looks at the man, this is verse six, and says, do you want to be healed? And then verse seven, the, six, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is, when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps in before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. There's the healing. What do we learn from that? Well, notice that Jesus asks him the question, do you want to be healed? And notice the man doesn't say yes. Did you notice that? What does he do instead? Jesus looks back, or the man looks back at Jesus and says, well, let me tell you why it's impossible for me to get healed. He starts to talk to Jesus about the reason why healing is impossible for him. He says, well, he says, sure, yeah, but, but look, he said, here I am, and I'm in paralysis, I can't walk, and I'm here on this mat. And, and not only that, I'm slow. I can't, I can't move, and everybody else gets in the pool before me, and uh, you know, I just can't get healed. I have nobody to help me here. I'm all by myself. I don't have a caretaker. And so you see, Jesus, it's really impossible for me to be healed. What you're asking is an impossibility. And Jesus looks back at the man, 
I love it. He looks back at the man and says, okay, rise, take up your bed and walk. He, he tells the man to do what he says is impossible. What this miracle shows us here is the possibility of healing. The man says, look, there, there are all sorts of excuses. There are all sorts of things that, that, are, that block my, my way of being whole and being different. And Jesus looks at the man and, and commands him to do the impossible. You see, here's the promise of the gospel. The promise of the gospel is that real change is possible. Is that, is that Jesus Christ has come with, with supernatural, life-giving power so that you could be different. And you might say, well, well Jesus, you don't understand. I've been, I've been living this way for years and years and years. You know, I've etched pathways in my brain, addictive pathways in my brain, and I can't change. You don't understand. Or you don't understand my family of origin. You know, my dad taught me this, or my mom taught me this, or I was treated this way. And he so it's limited my option on my options, or, or Jesus, you don't understand my temperament. This is my Myers-Briggs. This is the, just the way I am. What you're asking me to do, Jesus, is impossible. And Jesus looks at the man and says, here's the power of the gospel. I have power to enable you to do what you've never thought you could. Jesus Christ comes with life-giving resurrection power. At one point, Paul the Apostle says, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Get this, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if you're a Christian, dwells in you. And he wants to give life to your mortal body. He wants to change you. He wants to give you the ability to do what you've never been able to do before. What Jesus is doing is he's asking this man to imagine a life that he never thought was possible. Right? All, all this man can conceptualize is the pool and I need to get in there and this is just the way I am and this is what, I, for 38 years, this is all I've ever known and Jesus says, I want you to think that it can be different. I want you to broaden your view of what you could be. Do you want to change? It's possible. I want to give you a vision of the life that you were always meant to live. Now, in a sense, uh, this man is right. Um, humanly, it is impossible for him to do what Jesus is telling him to do. Right, he doesn't have anybody to get him into the water. He is at this pool that demands healing and he, he, he is unable, like this is all true. It is humanly impossible for this man to experience a healing. And, as, and that far is, I mean, as far as he goes, that is right. And listen, it, it, living the way God wants you to live, obeying his commands is impossible for you naturally. The natural person is unable to live into the life that God's called them to live, right? And sin is bigger than just a choice, it's a dominion. And there are things that have their grip on you like lust and greed for power. There are things that have its grip on you like, like laziness and sloth. There are things that have their grip on you and sin is bigger than you. And on you, your own, you are not able to live the life that God has called you to live, but the, but the gospel doesn't just clean up the old you. The gospel is a new power. It's something from the outside that gives you the ability to live the life that God's called you to live, to be whole, to be made well. Jesus says, do you want to be made whole? I'm telling you, there is a life that you never thought was possible. There's a marriage that you never thought was possible. There's a freedom from sin that you never thought was possible. 
And Jesus, can, his commandments are his enablements in the gospel. In Christ, you have the power to do what you can't do. And so here we see that the man is healed. Jesus looks at him and he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Beautiful picture. He wants to say the same thing to you. So we've seen the pool. We've seen the question. We've seen the healing and then finally let's look at the healer. uh, So we'll look at the question again uh, right after the question, verse seven. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. The water is stirred up, and while I am going, another one steps down before me, and Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And the man at once was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. I want you to see the source of this man's healing or the healer. How did the man get healed? It's pretty obvious in the story. Jesus healed him. Jesus Christ is the source of all healing. And it's the obvious part in the story, but it's not obvious to the man because where does the man think the source of healing is? Where does this man think that healing can be found? In the pool. That's what, I need to get into the pool if I'm gonna be better. If my life is gonna change, I need to get into that pool. The pool is the source of healing. I bet this man was fixated on the pool for 38 years He's been sitting there thinking about nothing but the pool. If I could only get into the pool, then I'll be healed. I bet if you could look at his prayer journals, uh, I bet his prayers were peppered with statements about the pool. Oh God, just let me get into that pool. That's the source of healing. That's what I need. Just get me into that pool. I bet his, his journal, if he kept one, was probably filled with statements about the pool. All I need is to get into the pool because the pool is the promised land. The pool is his source of healing. If I could only get into that thing, then I'll be whole. Notice in the story, Jesus heals the man without respect to the pool at all. The pool is a non-factor in this man's healing. The only factor in this man's healing is Jesus Christ because he's the source of healing. And you might be thinking, if I could only get into that income bracket, that's what I've been striving for all my life. If I could only get there, then things would be right in my life. Then I'll be made whole. If I could only get into that marriage, yes, the marriage is the promised land. If I could just get there, then, I'll, then everything's gonna be okay. Or if I could only get to that level of success, if my business could only get this bigger, if I could only write that article or write that book, then everything would be Okay. Jesus says, your healing is not in any of those things, although the culture says it is. He says, I am the source of healing. Don't you see that? Immediate, right in front of you. He says, you don't need the pool. You don't need to get in there. He says, all you need is me. I have the power. In a relationship with me and being connected with me, that's your healing. Because your problem is not circumstantial ultimately. You may think it is, oh my problem is money or my problem is time or or some other thing. That is not your problem. Ultimately your problem is relational. What's wrong with you ultimately is that you've got a severed relationship with your creator. And separated from his life and, and 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 his joy and his power, your life falls apart. And Jesus says, if you want to be healed, you need to know me. You need to know and be known by your creator through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus Christ is the source of this man's healing. He doesn't need the pool. 38 years he's been thinking that. 
Jesus says, your, your healing is standing right in front of you. Lord of the Rings, there's this, um, a big question in the, in the novel is, who's the king? Who's the rightful king? Who's the rightful king of, of, of the land? And is it Aragorn? Is it somebody else? You guys know the story. And do you remember the story, the statement at the very, very end? Aragorn shows healing powers. And it says, the, the hands of the king are healing hands. And there shall the rightful king be known. And the hands of your king is healing. Do you want to be changed? Do you want the core of who you are to be changed? Do you want to be different? Do you want that which is crippling you at the deepest level to be made whole? Jesus says, there's no way to find that apart from me. You need to know me. You need to spend time with me. You need to be connected to me. What's interesting is when you look at the story, the man is healed physically, but it's, the question is still out whether the man is actually made whole. I mean, he could walk again, but what's interesting is in the story, the man walks away, and he doesn't even know the name of, of Jesus. He never even knows the name of the man who healed him. And then finally, when he's walking, what does he do? The first thing he does is he goes out, and he tells the authority, authorities, that's the one who healed me. Go get him. And he sets the stage in motion for Jesus Christ to be crucified. Was he healed? Oh, he can walk again, but he, was he made whole? Well, he never met Jesus. And if you are ever gonna be made right, if you're gonna be made whole, it's found in the hands of Christ. Jesus Christ, uh, at, at the end of his life, he hung on a cross, his hands were pierced, nails were, were pierced through his hands, and he spilled his blood and his back, he was given wounds, but it's by his wounds and by his stripes that we are healed. And the cross. And the redemption that was accomplished through Jesus Christ giving his life, we find healing for our souls. Do you want to be healed? Do you want, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made better from that, from that which is most crippling you as a human being? It all begins with confronting uh, your brokenness, the, the thing that's underneath the physical things in your life, and asking the question, do I really want to change? Knowing that things could be different, change is possible, and that it's only found in Jesus. One of my favorite uh, shows, uh, TV shows is Mad Men um, on, on Netflix, and uh, you don't have to have seen that show to know this. The, the story is about Don Draper, who's a who's a, a creative genius at an, at an ad, 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 ad agency, thank you, uh, in New York City. And the first episode, he's, um, he, he's in this boardroom, and this client comes in, it's a cigarette company, and uh, Don Draper gets this big challenge. Uh, the Surgeon General has just come down with their warning that cigarettes are dangerous, and then here's, here's a Don's challenge. How do you sell a product that's killing people? And so he starts talking with the executives around the table. And at one point, Don is trying to convince them that he could do this. And at one point, he says, advertising is built on one thing and one thing only, happiness. And do you know what happiness is? Happiness is the smell of a new car. It's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you are doing, you are okay. That you are okay. 
Such a clarifying little line from Don Draper. And here's what he's saying. We all want happiness. And the best way to sell happiness is not to invite change or to say you're in danger or you're sick. The greatest way to sell happiness is vindication, affirmation, is to scream with reassurance that where you are in the seat right now today, you're okay. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? Do you want the core of who you are to change? Do you want new life? Do you want new character? That's the challenge Jesus gives this man in the miracle. And every miracle points beyond itself. It gives us a window into what is possible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this story, the story of this man who was uh, in the clutches of physical paralysis. It's a window into uh, the deeper issues of brokenness that cripple us as human beings. Lord, there's things that, that are far more dangerous and far more destructive than physical ailments. And God, I pray that you'd give us the courage today through the gospel to confront the things in our lives that, that need to change. Thank you for the gospel, which says that, we, that you are a healer, that, that Jesus Christ is the only one who has power to make us who we've been created to be. And I pray that you'd help us to take steps in that direction. I pray this wouldn't be another day where we come to the place of healing. Stay on our mat. Stay in our paralysis, Lord, but that we might walk away from here asking the question, what, what is it in our lives that, that you want to heal? Pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a healing king. God, we thank you that in your hands um, are the solutions to the deepest things that trouble us, that, that hold us captive. God, we thank you that the message of the gospel is a message of change and of wholeness. And I pray, God, that we who believe your gospel would walk in that direction. Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom, that you would help us, God, to, to break out of the comfortable places that we find ourselves in, comfortable places of brokenness. And I pray, God, that you would help us to walk in newness of life. Give us courage. Give us the ability, Lord, to see a new way forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in that grace.